Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss spirit podcast with Ben Garrett and David Johnson. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Solo today in the hosting chair. David Johnson is under the weather, but I got two guests to take us through. Chuck Ronsville, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, as well as former Ole Miss defensive end Contrail Lockett for the 40-yard dash. Going to be a full football show. I intended to have some basketball, obviously, after Ole Miss goes and beats number 11 Auburn on Wednesday. But because David was under the weather and because 40 and I ran long, it's going to be all football all the time. Chuck Ronsville first in control for the 40-yard dash. Ole Miss on Wednesday officially introduced its two new coordinators, Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre. Chuck is going to provide his thoughts and insights as far as what it was like in the room, his impressions of the hire, Matt Luke's process and going about finding coaches to fill out his staff, and also answering the question of, is this the last staff change that's going to be made? Is this the staff, and what's the timetable like for Matt Luke completing his staff. He's coming up as Chuck Ronsville in just a couple of minutes. And then Contrell's going to follow up. And we're going to break down the transition from a 4-2-5 defense to the 3-4, how Ole Miss's personnel fits, and many other things, including some past career stories with Kentrell from his days at Ole Miss. So a full hour of football talk here on Talk of Champions. But first, I wanted to remind you to subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And we're also available on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. That's an affiliate of 247 Sports and SoundCloud. Now, for you Rebel Sports Radio users, don't worry. You can check out SoundCloud, the Ole Miss Spirit, iTunes right now. But if you're looking for talk of champions back on Rebel Sports Radio, there could be a possibility of that happening. So I'll keep you abreast to any developments on that front. Many things to come potentially as far as the distribution of this podcast and many more. But today, singularly focused on Ole Miss football. I'd be remiss, however, if I didn't speak again about how well Ole Miss basketball is playing. Ole Miss, of course, 
on Saturday travels to take on Mississippi State in Starkville at 12 p.m. Central Time. If they were to win that game, I fully expect them to be in the top 25 polls come Monday. But that's putting the cart before the horse. They're playing with house money on Saturday. So if they lose, I know you'll be bummed, but look, they're going to lose some games. That's going to happen. They're playing with house money. It's okay to lose Saturday because you picked up such a significant win on Wednesday against Auburn. And now, at worst, you're going to start 2-1. and one, And that's an incredibly impressive start to the SEC. Ole Miss has played the same brand of basketball in every single game for 14 games. Now, sometimes the ball didn't go in the basket like it didn't against Cincinnati. But Ole Miss has not deviated from its philosophy offensively and defensively and has allowed itself to dictate pace and tempo in every game it's played. Took Auburn completely out of the game and what they wanted to do. Only eight made twos for Auburn on Wednesday. Meanwhile, Ole Miss switching to a 2-3 zone and rebounding out of it forced Auburn to try to make threes over a zone in which that defense is designed to stop. So a great, great game, a great, great moment for Ole Miss basketball on Wednesday. It's time to take this team seriously if you haven't already. The question, of course, will be if an injury crops up, how do they compensate? Spoiler alert, they won't be able to. They're so thin. They have a seven-man rotation, honestly. Now, I know they play eight, but really you're talking about D.C. Davis just taking up some minutes and Bruce Stevens. What are you going to get on a given night? You just don't know. I mean, he was supposed to be a big part of the game plan on Wednesday, and yet – he couldn't rebound, and he couldn't defend, but we all know he can't defend. So a lot of questions yet to be answered for Ole Miss basketball, but when you're 12-2, and 2-0 and in the SEC, you wouldn't trade that for anything outside of, of course, 14-0 and or 13-1, and but that's not even realistic. If you'd have told me going into the year Ole Miss will be 12-2 and after 14, including two SEC wins to open SEC play for the first time since 2013, I'd have called you a crazy person. There's no way. And yet here they are. And Dominic Olenicek having a tremendous year, especially on the defensive end. Devontae Shuler has really embraced point guard. He's playing it safe, but that's okay. Brian Tyree, I know he had a bad game on Wednesday, but those three league guards have taken it upon themselves to understand that they don't have to be great every single night. If it's not your night, step back and let the other two have the floor. Those three working in conjunction have been really, really good. Terrence Davis That is Terrence Davis. What you saw Wednesday, 27 points, 12 rebounds. That is Terrence Davis to a T. And, of course, it came on the biggest stage with the best crowd the Pavilion has had since it opened three years ago. What a game. What a night. And if you aren't excited or aren't on board yet, get your ass on board because this team is playing really, really well and competitive and consistent. You know what you're going to get. They're going to fall short sometimes. But right now, Ole Miss has a lot of confidence on a nine-game winning streak, the first nine-game winning streak since 2013. They know who they are, and they're sticking to it, and it's a really fun thing to see. For a fan base especially that needed this, they needed a shot in the arm, something to get behind. So it's been really cool to follow. But you've heard enough from me. This is Talk of Champions, the podcast brought to you by El Agave Mexican Grill. What better way? to ring in the new year than with the best Tex-Mex in town. And if you live in Oxford or New Albany, your stop is El Agave Mexican Grill for the best food, drinks, and atmosphere. At El Agave, there's top-shelf Mexican food in a cantina at both locations. And with a warm and inviting atmosphere, you and your family can make yourself at home. It's the best Mexican food around that starts with high-quality ingredients and careful preparation. The kitchen gets busy early every morning because El Agave starts from scratch every day, making fresh salsa, boiling chilies for their homemade red and green chili dishes, slow-cooking their lean cuts of beef and pork, and then pouring the broth 
off into their homemade sauces. There's nothing like having a full house of folks over for a great Mexican fiesta. So come over to El Agave in Oxford and or New Albany, 2305 West Jackson Avenue in Oxford, 650 Park Plaza in New Albany. You won't find better Mexican food or margaritas anywhere else. Try the street tacos. That's my favorite. Stay for the food and the experience. El Agave Mexican Grill. First up is Chuck Ronsville, my publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com. That's an affiliate of 247 Sports. And Chuck joins us on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. It offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. And Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221. That's 662- 6-2-2-3-4-7-2-2-1. or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Chaney'sPharmacy.com. Chaney'sPharmacy.com. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. He's Chuck Ronsville. Chuck, it's been since March, the last time you were on Talk of Champions. You used to be a regular appearer on my podcast, and yet it's been months now, almost a year since you've been on. Do you feel... Like you're back in the saddle? Is it like riding a bike for you? Oh, y'all outgrew me. You know, y'all, you and David are just too good for me now. Shoot, uh, I, I don't have anything to add. It's called Talk of Champions. Now you got Talk of the Bombs. Yeah, oh, no, no. You're <laughs> you're the champion of Ole Miss sports coverage. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> let's have some fun. Yeah, let's let's do this. This is this is something you and I used to do regularly, and especially when Ole Miss football would have significant developments. And I would think that. Wednesday was a significant development, if for no other reason than Ole Miss formally introduced its two new coordinators, Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre, spoke to the media for the first time. You were in that room. You asked most of the questions when I went back and watched it and did a hell of a job with it. What were your impressions coming off of that press conference with Mike McIntyre and Rich Rodriguez? Well, you know, there there were several, Ben, but number one, I, I, I liked how humble both of them were. And, you know, some of their humility stems from having been fired from their last jobs, which which will humble all of us, but every coach eventually gets fired. But but just how grateful they were for the opportunity to be at Ole Miss and to try to help turn this program around and to work for Matt Luke. Uh, it, it seemed so sincere that, that they were glad to have this type of opportunity, both of them. And uh, kind of almost had their hat in their hand, which which I, I appreciated because, you know, I've been unemployed before and <laughs> and it's uh, it's not a fun thing. And when you do get an opportunity, you want to make the most of it. And uh, these guys uh, certainly have made a world of money in their careers and, and still making money and still making real good money. But at the same time, you can tell they have pride in their craft and they're anxious to get back at it and and to prove, you know, that possibly their dismissals uh, were not warranted and, and if they can still do the job and still get it done and still win and uh, all the good things of coaching. So I, I appreciated all of that. The quote of the press conference for me was when Rich Rodriguez said, I guess Matt Luke is now with hiring of assistants living the buyout life, which was classic line for me. I loved that uh, about hiring two guys who, like you mentioned, so much experience fired from the previous stops. But this is something that you and I have talked about off of the podcast about having that experience in your room. I think that in Matt Luke's pursuit of coordinators and you're out in front of all of this, I mean, you're the first one to identify that 
there was an unnamed big-time coach in contention for the offensive coordinator job. You didn't name Rich Rodriguez, but you knew exactly who you were talking about. It comes to fruition. Do you kind of see that this was the angle in which he needed to end up? I know there are a lot of different pursuits, but to end up here with two guys with such experience, was that the right course for Matt Luke, who, quite frankly, is still figuring this part of it out? I mean, he's still green behind the ears a little bit as a head coach. I think it was the only course for him. Um, as we've said openly, and, and no knock on Matt, but nobody knows if Matt's going to make it or not or, or could make it or not. But the, but to hire two guys with this magnitude of experience, this this success in their careers, they've been there, they've done that, they're wise beyond you know, their experience, uh, I, I think was not only a bold move by Matt Luke, but it, kind of an unusual one. I've always said that great leaders surround themselves with people as smart or smarter than they are, which is what I've done at the Old Miss Spirit with you and David and Yancey. Oh, come on. Uh, and, 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 you know, I think Matt's done that, and, and I, I commend him for that. And, I, and Mike even said something about that yesterday, uh, that a lot of coaches would be scared to hire a Mike McIntyre as a defensive coordinator or a Rich Rodriguez as an offensive coordinator. Uh, but Matt wasn't because he wants to win and he wants to do what's best for Ole Miss. And so, you know, give all those guys a star for that. It's interesting because that's that's the biggest point I made, I think, last week on this podcast. You look across college football and head coaches now, they want to be the smartest guys in the room. I mean, Nick Saban's embraced the whole recycling former head coaches deal as filling out his staff. But for the most part, you find coaches that want to believe with their hires, whether it's a true assessment or not that they're the smartest guy in the room and have your criticisms of Matt Luke. But in this case, he is not taking that approach. He just wants Ole Miss to advance and be better and, and, and hire the best guys out there. And he's done that. I think with Rich Rod and Mike McIntyre, is it interesting to you as far as Mike McIntyre's past history with Matt Luke, how those two will blend? Those are former two former cut assistants, Mike, he's well-traveled both in the NFL and college football is that prior relationship, do you think that's a, 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 something that can help him along? It's easy to say yes, but, I mean, I would assume that having a guy that you trust and that you have such a history with, that could make fitting all these pieces that would otherwise on paper look kind of awkward because of where they come from, make it more of a seamless transition. Yeah, oh, obviously, I think the familiarity between Mike and Matt not only helps the defensive side of the ball, but I believe the familiarity between Mike and, and Rich Rod helps the offensive side of the ball and helps ease Rich into uh, Matt's realm, so to speak. Um, I, I think Mike probably had uh, a hand in making the connection between Matt and Rich. I don't think there's any question about that because Mike and Rich were, I wouldn't say close, but, you know, were competitors uh, out west. And when Rich was at Arizona and Mike was at Colorado, they played each other and uh, gained a mutual respect of each other. So um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if the if the introduction between Matt and Rich wasn't made by Mike. Um so, yeah, I think that all goes hand-in-hand hand for them to work well together. Uh, the familiarity Mike had with Matt and the familiarity Mike has with uh, Rich as well. On-field results is what's ultimately going to determine whether or not this succeeds. And 
Ole Miss lost a lot of talent. The coordinator hires, what kind of tangible difference can they make when there is a drop-off in talent, however sizable you might think it would be? There's certainly going to be a drop-off offensively considering all that was lost, but what tangible benefit, you've been around it for so long, can coordinators with this kind of experience and this kind of well-traveled nature mean for a, a talent base that maybe might have lost some but still has some pieces in place? What can they do? Well, you know, without being disparaging toward the, the two former coordinators who I respect uh, and, and feel like they did the best they could do, uh, I just think you're getting way more experience, particularly on the defensive side of the ball and well, and on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Mike has been immersed in the 3-4 defensive system for years and years and years, learned it from Bill Parcells. Um, refined it on the college level, worked with Mike Zimmer, worked with some great defensive minds, been there, done that. Uh, Rich Rodriguez, uh, you know, uh, while still respecting Phil Longo, I got to say this offense that he brings to the table is more what Matt Luke wants with more run capabilities and and, uh, controlling the clock capabilities that Mike mentioned yesterday as well that will help the defense. Um, So, you know, I want to tiptoe lightly around uh, any criticism of the past guys, but these two systems I think will fit our personnel, and I think these two guys teaching it, you'll be able to tell the difference in the coaching. What's the number one question facing Rich Rodriguez and Mike McIntyre come spring ball? Talent. I mean, there's no question that this is a personnel issue now. Uh, I I said it was a lot of it was a personnel issue last year, even though I probably overstated that more than uh, was was necessary or was real. Um, I think it's still the issue this year, and, um, you know, They've got to get the players in the right place at the right time, doing the right things almost flawlessly to have a chance against some of the teams we'll face uh, based on the personnel. This can't be a a willy-nilly operation. It's got to be precise. It's got to be, frankly, the Kermit Davis of football, you know, where everything's done pretty accurately or, um, or it's trouble. As far as Rich Rod, he mentioned that his quarterbacks, he wants guys that love football that just don't like it maybe as a hobby. It's hard to quantify that, but when you look at Matt Corral, do you think he's more the former or the latter right now? Oh, absolutely is the former. He loves it. Um, He's a tough kid. He reminds me so much of a young Chad Kelly. Uh, Whatever faults Chad had, the love of football wasn't one of them. I can promise you that, and I think the same is going to hold true with Matt Correll. I think he's a a competitor, and uh, most of the time when you're a, an intense competitor, there's a there's a love and a passion for the game, and I think Matt has that. Do you think Ole Miss will pursue the grad transfer market, be it at quarterback or any other position? And if you were making that decision, what area do you think a grad transfer could benefit the most? Oh, any position, you name it. Gosh, we need another defensive tackle. We need another offensive tackle. We need another quarterback. We need a 
another wide, a mature wide receiver. Need a re- mature corner. Um, gosh, what what position do we not need a, a, a mature, uh, talented player? You tell me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, the interesting part of this is obviously Matt Corral represents the new wave of the program, and you look at him and say, "This is what this is the first piece in which we build around." However, I'm sure if you're Rich Rodriguez, Matt Luke, whoever, it might be tempting. Should I, I'd steal a name I can think of in the transfer portal, uh, Jalen Hurts become available to you, not at least entertain that idea. But how do you balance that? How do you handle that delicately to where it's a true competition and let the best man win when you know that Matt Corral's been waiting for this opportunity since he got here? Well, I mean, that's just part of college football. I mean, um, you know, waiting on a job – that doesn't guarantee a job. Look at Jalen Hurts right now. I mean, he's had the job for two or three years and and uh, got beaten out. He, I mean, he's shoot. College football is a competition. If you can't take the competition, then uh, you're in the wrong sport and on the wrong level. And I don't believe Matt Corral will shirk from any competition if they were to bring uh, a grad transfer in here. And certainly, if you bring one in, you'd hope he's good enough to compete with Matt Corral. Do you anticipate the spring the most competitive, at least, position as far as guys jockeying for jobs being the offensive line? I feel like we know who those guys are, and there aren't a a large number of bodies. But because there's so many guys being replaced, especially on the left side, I could see someone emerging that maybe we don't see right now. And and theoretically pushing a Royce Newman or a Bryce Matthews or an Eli Johnson, whoever it might be, do you think that's the position that will be most competitive in the spring? Mm, not really. I mean, I think it will be competitive, obviously, because everybody's got a clean slate right now, and and every position should feel pretty open. You know that hey, I, I've got a chance here, um, but at the same time, um, personally, I think linebackers pretty competitive. I think. Uh, Safety's going to be competitive. Um, corner's going to be competitive. I think all the defensive positions should be uh, wide open. Uh, offensively, you know, I think there's some givens there. I, you know, I think certainly Scotty's going to be the running back, and at this point, Matt's going to be the quarterback, and um, you know, Cooley's going to be the tight end, and. You know, there's there's some standards there on offense that are, and certainly on defense, you got Benito Jones and Jose Cotney and uh, Momo Sanago and a couple of others, but uh, I, I think it's wide open on both sides of the ball. Recently, Chip Lindsey was named the head coach at Troy. John Sumrall was a candidate for that head coaching opportunity. Neil Brown is now at West Virginia. He could be a candidate for defensive coordinator there. What is the John Sumrall update right now? Do you think it's more likely or less likely if you had to put odds on it right now that he's still at Ole Miss next year? I think he'll be here. Um, I think that Matt will fight for him against uh, Neil Brown for him going to West Virginia. Matt was not going to fight for him if he had gotten the head coaching job at Troy because that's – what John wants to be eventually is yeah, a head right. You, coach you don't now. you don't do that, right? You you let those guys if there's that opportunity right. to be a head coach, yeah. Exactly. But I think he'll fight for him to stay at, at Ole Miss over West Virginia. And I don't believe if they want him badly enough that uh West Virginia will pay for a defensive coordinator more than we'll pay for a linebacker coach, to be quite honest, with the rates we're paying coaches right now, we're 
we're pretty way up there and, and should be. Do you anticipate any more additional or subtractions as far as um, coaches, coaches and the coaching searches and, and staff changes coming up? I mean, what is there a timeline in which this is all done and you can say, okay, this is the staff moving forward? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's a great question. I, it wouldn't shock me to see one more change. I, I do fully expect Calvin McGee to be named the tight end coach right after signing day. Um, I'll be surprised if that doesn't happen, but on the defensive side, I don't, I just don't know. You know, Mike is a secondary coach and so is Jason Jones and so is Charles Clark. So, uh, you know, there may be no more room at the end there. So I, I, but I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think Matt's keeping that close to the vest and we'll just have to wait and see nothing, nothing on that side would surprise me though. After the way Ole Miss finished, and this is the way we'll end this. After the way Ole Miss finished the year, five straight losses, five and seven, one and seven. What is your feelings, optimism, pessimism now compared to when the season ended? Do you think Matt Luke's made enough strides as far as hires and the recruiting class and all that, and the recruiting he's doing towards February, to give you hope that regardless of how much they lost, that they can still be competitive and put together potentially without the restrictions of bowl eligible season? It'll be tough. It'll be tough with the personnel they have, but but I, I like the direction they're going, and I think that the program got a shot of adrenaline in the arm, a needed shot of adrenaline in the arm with, with these two hires of Mike McIntyre and Rich Rodriguez, and, and I don't think that from this point on we can point to coaching anymore. You know, I, I think – I think now our focus is going to be on, well, are we good enough personnel-wise? Because I think we're going to be coached well. He's Chuck Ronsville, the publisher of the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and a foot of 247 Sports. Thank you for doing this, Chuck. And let's make sure next time it's not almost a year before you come back. <laughs> I enjoy it, buddy. You take care. That was Chuck Ronsville, the publisher of the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and a foot of 247 Sports. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Up next is the 40-yard dash with former Ole Miss defensive end Kentrell Lockett. And the 40-yard dash is brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. It's 2019, the new year, it's here. And what better way to start off the new year than with a new car, truck, or Jeep? They're loaded up with Jeep Wranglers, Grand Cherokees, and Cherokees all priced to move right now. So make sure you're taking advantage of this unique opportunity with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. But simply buying a new car is not the only service that Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram provides. If you're having some car trouble, if you need some advice, go visit them. Brian, Mason, ask for them. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you, and they're going to make sure that you're taken care of. Addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. You can give them a call at 662-234-8000. That's 662-234-8000. Or stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. 40-yard dash with Kentrell Lockett. Tune in to get a true player's perspective on the latest event surrounding the Ole Miss football program from number 40 himself. Know something about it, but I won't answer now. He's Kentrell Lockett at Clark underscore Kentrell on Twitter. Are you even on Twitter anymore? Former Ole Miss defensive end, by the way. Are you even on Twitter anymore? I'm on there. Um, I don't too much post anything, but I am an avid reader. I read a lot of what's going on on there. I don't I don't know. I don't know if I need to post. And I may need to post something. Just come in and mess people day up for one second and just come right back off. 
You used to be the fire Twitter account. You used to be the guy that people went to during big events that we all watched together on the internet and comment. And they'd wait for your commentary. You're a missed voice online. That is true. That is true. You know, I still do the commentary. It's just in the comfort and safety of my own home now. <laughs> not too, not trying to ruffle anyone's feathers. But maybe that's what the game been missing when I was doing that. Ole Miss was winning, you know, and now. So, yeah, maybe I need to get back to the basics. It's the 40-yard dash. It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. For those that maybe aren't keeping up with you as much and don't know what you're doing, how you been? What's been going on? I really can't complain. I've been good. I've been working. Dealing with, you know, by this savage of a son I have, this, 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 I don't much know what to call him. He's huge and big. That's all, man. Just being a dad working. That's my godson you're talking about. Don't, don't disparage my godson who's going to end up being a first round pick in the NFL draft. You know, that's Debo, man. Debo. Maybe first pick of, uh, we don't know which draft yet. Yeah, it depends but, on if he's coming out early or not. We don't know that yet. We don't know. We just know that he's yeah. massive and he's going to play football probably. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe we have a Kyler Murray on our hands or something, a Zion Williamson. We don't really know just yet, but we're going to cultivate whatever it may be. Whatever the projection is, if you made me put odds on it, if he's going to be closer to Kyler or to Zion, looking at your son, it's closer to Zion. That's yeah, we definitely going to Zion. I was speaking of Kyler, uh, his situation. Of oh, him having to make oh. the decision of baseball or, or or football compared to Zion, I know that statue gonna be of sort. You know, by that point, I might have to be certified in kung fu or jujitsu or something. <laughs> tai Chi. He think he's gonna, you know, but there's always I'm always Mr. Miyagi. He's gonna forever forever be Danielson. I hope he knows that. Unless you put the ball in his left hand, he's left-handed, which means. He could have a 15-year career in Major League Baseball with not even being very good just because he throws left-handed. I mean, my God, Boone Logan stuck in the MLB for, ooh, I want to say eight years or so, and he was terrible. But if you have a ball in your left hand and can throw it over the plate, you're going to have a job. Yeah, we've been working on that with that left hand. He has, like, this little the little hacky sack, Ole Miss hacky sack. Hey, I may be kind of biased, but he recognized that Ole Miss script. Anytime I show him something Ole Miss, he kind of get hyped. Anytime I'm wearing a, sw- a sweater or a hoodie, got Ole Miss on it, he goes to grab at it. You know, so maybe I'm just kind of biased, but we are working on that left hand. Anything he goes to reach and grab, he use left hand. So I'm just, I'm just egging it on. I put it on the left side. Use the left hand. I'm gonna be like, uh, like, like Tua Daddy. He's right-handed, but I force him to do everything left-handed. Just That's don't do as Tua, as Tua's dad did, and if he didn't succeed on the football field. As to admitted, beat him with a belt. Uh, no, no, no. Nah, that that's no. too much. I, uh, no, no, no. We, we we're not doing that. That's no. that's like a racehorse mentality. We're not. Mm-mm. Uh, no, I will ask this though. Let's fast forward till year eighteen for Bo Lockett, which sounds like a football player. And Bo Lockett has had Alabama's head coach in his living room, Clemson, Ole Miss, every blue blood, like from LSU to whoever, Ohio State, Oklahoma. He says, Dad, Dad, I appreciate that you played at Ole Miss and that you did some great things. You're the one that blocked the field goal at Florida, but I want to go play at Alabama. What is your response? Man, to be honest, I really don't have, I really don't have no choice but to, but to just really embrace it and support him. As much as I want him to be in the red and blue, I would rather him say he would play with any other team 
besides Mississippi State, first off, if you say Mississippi State, we may have issues. Right. You know, um, I'm making deal with LSU. I'll be able to swallow that pill. You know, it may be harder. Your uncle would lose his mind if he. If oh, definitely. Yeah. He he. It would definitely. He would. The conversation would be your your daddy made the wrong decision years ago. Now you're making the right decision. I know for sure. But I would have no choice but to support him, man. I really, you know. But. But that's good. That means you're a good parent. I've always said yeah. this. But it was funny when I was going through my college process, which was not a football scholarship, because I mean, God, look at me. Um, but when I was going through picking a college. My dad was like, okay, what colleges are you interested in? And I really just wanted to go to Ole Miss. But I was like, well, you know, I've thought about Alabama and blah, 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 blah. And he went, look, Ben, let me tell you something. You can go anywhere except Mississippi State. And I was like, that's kind of weird, you know? I mean, I, that was back when it was it was casual. The rivalry was more casual and just you're poking fun at your friends if they're the fan of Mississippi State and you're the fan of Ole Miss, whatever it might be. That was back when it was just good-natured ribbing. And I was like, oh, a lot of my friends go to Mississippi State. You know, one of my best friends in the world is going to Mississippi State, and he wants me to be his roommate. I'd really enjoy that. My dad looked at me and said, Ben, I will not pay for you to go to Mississippi State. And I'm like, oh. He made uh. a good move. It's, it's just that. Nah, I, I would have loved to go to Mississippi State. I, I went to a lot of parties and stuff in college at Mississippi State and had a ton of fun. It was great. I would definitely say this now. When it comes to making that decision, I'm going to definitely chime in and – now look at it for its entirety. It's a whole school, everything. The coaches are important. What you're going to learn there for the next four years is important. So that has a lot to do just of the name. You know, looking at a school like Alabama and knowing what they have done over the years, that don't mean they're going to do it when you get there. Look who's still there. They're producing and all of those type things. That has to come 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 into consideration. You're trying to play or you're just trying to get a ring if they go, you know, to, to, to the natty or to a bowl game, whatever it may be. All that will come into consideration. Now, once we, you know, once I ain't gonna say it's an understanding, or once he get it, you know, he he should be okay. I don't think it should. It, it's so much me you should worry about. I think it's gonna be my wife when it comes to that point, you know, because she's red and blue to the death. Her mom's red and blue. Her dad's red and blue. So you know, I, yeah, we're I we're, we're talking we're talking about a conversation that at the end of the day, only one person will have the sway over everybody else. I I love your wife. I think Leanne's awesome. She terrifies me though. And if Leanne said, Ben, you're going to do this, I would say, okay, sure. <laughs> so you understand my life. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a big guy. You don't you know? say no to Leanne. You just don't. I can't. There's no such thing as no. You know, it may it's it's a no right now, but really that no is a maybe. That no is – Because her reaction is to go – her reaction is no, <laughs> okay. And you're just like, wait, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> wait, yeah, what just happened? <laughs> no, no, what's what's – no. Uh, did I say something wrong? <laughs> it's just that, it's that little, she looks at you and says, okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. okay. It's so cynical. It'd be like, I really don't know what follows that, but I don't want to know. Okay. I changed my mind. This sinister feeling fills your chest and you're like, Oh God, what did I do? What did I do? I will I say this. That. My dad's decision to basically, he never forced me to go anywhere. I could have gone anywhere except Mississippi State. But him kind of – me being the only Garrett son of three to go to Ole Miss and finish, he was like, look, uh, you go where you want to except Mississippi State. But he was excited to go to Ole Miss, and I'm glad he did. I'm glad he kind of groomed me to go to that school and, and take that path because it led me to here. And now it's made Christmas for my dad really, really easy. Now I get to give him really cool experiences just because – I have some connections with Ole Miss. So I wonder if it was the long game. Like my dad's always wanted to sing the national anthem before an Ole Miss sporting event. I was able to set that up for him for the Florida Gulf Coast basketball game. What if my dad 
was basically playing the odds. Two of his three sons went to Ole Miss. The other one went to New York. Two of his three sons go to New to go to Ole Miss. He figured if I can get one to kind of get ingrained in Ole Miss, I can get all the Ole Miss stuff I've ever wanted because that's basically what's happened. My dad played the long game. Yeah, might be right, Ben. Just like Bo is going to be a lottery yeah. ticket for you. I mean, good grief. I was just about to say. I was just about to say. Whew. I'm just waiting on it. I'm going to yeah. make sure I start working out, be healthy, um, turn to get a nice diet, certain um, calories a day, so I could be there live and kicking to see it. I won't go to all the parties with you, man. Take me with you, please. I'm going to be that dad. <laughs> we're, we're 10 minutes in. We haven't talked one bit about Ole Miss, and we have a purpose for this, I promise. But when I'm thinking about Bo... Like, what if he says to you, Dad, I'm not interested in sports at all. I just want to go be a lawyer like mom. Listen, I think that's hard to believe because I see that that going to be that going to be hard to believe when he said it then and for you to say it now because he's too aggressive now. It's going to be some something he's going to do going to have some less level of physicality. I don't know basketball, football, what may even be rugby. I don't know, but he he is an aggressive young man already. He likes to fight. You say fight, he go to swinging. Like <laughs> and maybe I started that, but I just wanted him to have the hand moves. That's all. Wax on, wax off. You got that. That's that's life. That's fighting. That's that's basic protection skills. So you know, this the six months isn't too early. So I just don't think he gonna need that outlet. Did I'm going to vote for Kinley for president because she's brilliant and she's going to be president. And then Bo is going to go make millions of dollars playing some sport of some kind. So you're you're set up. You've done well. Yeah, they're both at, at, at opposite ends of the spectrum. I got Kinley, who's the calm, but at the same time, she's Wednesday Adams. And I have Bo, who's Debo. He's a bear. He's a little bit of everything. He growls. And this is only the beginning. Only I spent time with your family on Sunday. And I'm going to tell this story forever now. I can just see it. Like even when Kinley's our age at some point, and I'm old and gray and no one wants to be around me. Um, when I'm sitting there in the kitchen of your grandmother or Leanne's grandmother's house and Kinley walks in and go, oh, hey, Kinley. And she looks up at me and she's brilliant. And, she's, and she looks at me and she goes, how do you know me? <laughs> I've, I've, no, I've, I've known you since you were a, a newborn. You know, I just, Kentrell brought you into the IPF and I just gotten started. And me and your dad have been friends for you know, the entirety of your life. And she goes, Oh, huh? And she walks away. And walks away. That's Kimley. Wednesday Adams, man. She has she has a creepy vibe about her, but I understand it. She was That's just looking up. Me. She was just assessing me, huh? Uh huh. huh. She was sizing you up a little bit. Yeah. Who is, who is this guy? And then that sinister feeling got into this, got into my chest, like whenever Leanne intimidates me, and I went, okay, yeah. well, I know where that girl's going. She's going to be president <laughs> of the United States, and she got it on us. Yeah, yeah. She's going to be she great. Got it on us. Ole Miss. <laughs> recently announced its coordinator hires. Rich Rodriguez is the offensive coordinator. Mike McIntyre is the defensive coordinator. Now, I'm going to stay away from offense because I really wanted to focus defensively. Mike McIntyre, the scheme he's bringing is a 3-4. You're a football nerd. You played it for so long. Obviously, at Ole Miss, then you went and were in training camp with the Redskins and others, uh, flirted with other places like playing in Canada and stuff like that. You've been around a lot of different schemes. Ole Miss, when you were in, in school. What was the primary defense that Houston Nutt and them ran for y'all? And what kind of adjustment is it then we, when you make a drastic right. change? So we we ran a three uh, a four three multiple. So it was just uh, um four three multiple. We would switch to three four just depending on the team that we would play. But our base formation was four three multiple. We had good 
defensive linemen, we had good linebackers, and we had good and we had good secondary. So it's really we didn't slip up at at anywhere at any place. So it was it was almost it got to a point where we were competing and making the tackles, you know, and just getting to the ball. So I really enjoyed playing that four three because we kind of fed off each other compared to a three four defense where you're two gapping or uh, uh, the the strongest part of your defense to run a three four is in all the gaps you know we did that for certain situations certain change jumps just to give the the other teams a different look or maybe to confuse or maybe look like a three four but when we move or actually in, in live action when it's time to play or you see the actual picture of what's going on that we really in the four three defense but so it was just a change up for us i really enjoyed the four three i really don't like the three four defense i don't like it me personally i don't i don't like it but just depending on the level um of, of talent that you have, the 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 learning uh, ca- capacity or the the ability to just to to remember and hold the knowledge, man, it, it may work. But then at the same time, if you just want to be simple, line some guys up that know a gap, b gap, c gap, outside contain, spill it in, box, uh, spill it, uh, well, well, uh, box it in, spill it, make it go to the outside, you'll be okay. But three, four, a lot of other things come in, and you you gotta be, you have to have strong, reliable linebackers. I kind of love the 3-4, and I'll tell you why. You can be extraordinarily multiple with it. And I'm also biased because in the 2000s, the 3-4 became the fad defense, and it all was ushered in really to the mainstream, especially in the NFL with Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells effectively resurrected the Dallas Cowboys before he took that Titanic and ran into the iceberg. But you you can fit particular personnel to it. So in one draft, for example – the Cowboys in the first round drafted Demarcus Ware and Marcus Spears. Now, Marcus Spears only had one and a half good seasons. But in the seventh round, because they knew exactly what they were looking for in a nose tackle, go get Jay Ratliff, who can basically two-gap a center. Um, and then Anthony Spencer was on that defense. Brady James was a clog it up the middle linebacker. Effectively, the 3-4 allows you to fit personnel regardless of how you come about talent evaluation and talent accruement and fit it to what you do. So it, it opens up the – the it releases you of the limitations of maybe certain recruiting restrictions or in the, in the NFL drafting and free agent signings. So that's what I really like about it. Um, you can play effectively a 4-3 out of it if you need to go simple, but a 3-4 just allows you to be more multiple. But there are some nuances to it that you and I have talked about before, specifically at nose tackle, which – I question in regards to Mike McIntyre and Ole Miss. I don't look at this roster and see the perfect nose tackle, clog it up, gap to gap, control the center nose tackle that you need for this, for it to potentially be great from game one. Benito Jones doesn't really fit that, but he's the guy that's obviously going to be the nose tackle. Maybe it's Josiah Coney, but he really does fit what you look for in a 3-4 defensive end, doesn't he? There's a yes. He does, but at the same time, you're looking for somebody that can control the center. If the ball going right, shade the block, go right. Ball going left, shade the block, go left. You know, and you look at it now, 3-4, you need the, the I would say the most important man is your middle linebacker. But secondly, your most important man is your center. And now there's a lot of different things that have changed. Now, you, now your defensive ends in this 3-4 defense last year were tackles. That's different responsibilities for these, these uh, 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 converted – defensive end which they are true tackles is just they're playing within the scheme now there's a down block they have to spill or they may have to take pitch man or or, or take the the quarterback on the option now just imagine the tackle 
on a quarterback on the option. If he's not used to it, it's going to be something he's going to be caught and because because it's something he's not accustomed to. It's going to it's going to take uh, um some some just repping, repetition, and muscle memory, just like with the middle linebackers or, or just with the linebackers. Period. There's a lot of movement, a lot of scheming you can do. There's a lot of spying you can do. There's a lot of different blitzes. You can have people running throughout the flat. But at the same time, there's a lot of responsibility. If you don't have a, a group of four that can actually do that, it's you just in that formation. You're going to get gashed. If if you have three down linemen and you have five offensive linemen, you're already outnumbered. So that means your linebackers have to fill a gap. If your linebackers don't fill a gap, it's already a, a, a four-plus yard game. It's for a clip. If the if if the offensive line get up on your linebackers, I'm sorry, and then got to get to your secondary for them to make a tackle, it's going to be a long game. So I say all that to say, first, you got to start in the middle, meaning center, then middle linebacker. You make a plug and play outside. Outside, outside may be a, a safety that you had who was strong, who could play in the box anyway. Now he's in turn a linebacker. But you're really going to have to work on that nose, that middle linebacker, and those new def- two new defensive ends. And those just aren't regular defensive ends. You're not looking at a 6'2", six, 6'3", six, maybe 6'4", 260. And now these guys are like, need to be 6'4", 6'5", 305, 310 because they really they because it's in the 3-4 defense they're, they're that ankle on the on the edge and that's what they need their tackle but they're playing defensive in in this scheme so it's just a lot it's like it's going to be a lot of plug and play it's going to be a lot of seeing who capable of doing this who's 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 incapable of doing it who could um uh, actually look at the picture understand what they're getting read and react and who could just do it consistently on a consistent basis? That's a lot going on. That's a lot going on. I understand how you say that's uh, in that particular type of defense, you can plug and play with certain players. But you can plug and play how long it's going to take for that person that you plug to actually play in this scheme because there's a lot that he's going to have to pick up. There's a lot of responsibility. Imagine imagine you're a middle linebacker and you got a nose in front of you, and that nose got the A and the B gap. He chose A, but you have B, not a ball in front. The ball and fell back. Now you got to come all the way back across, but that you got to flow with everybody in front of you. You got to fill those gaps that, that aren't filled from your defensive lineman. So I just think from starting initially, big man on big man, 4-3 is better because you got, you got more hats in the gap initially on the line of scrimmage than having guys that's three, four yards off the ball have to fill a gap, come up, run read. And if it's a run read, if it's a play fake, or if it's a or, 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 or just a regular play fake, or, or, or like they do now, all the, um, they're in the, everybody in the spread and doing the give read with the pass, you know, if, if, if our linebacker take two steps up, the, the tight end right over top, we see that play every week because that's something we do at on offense. So just imagine if our, if our linebackers are not um, uh, key, keyed into what they're supposed to, eyes not in the right spot, man, that's going to be a problem every week. So I'm just saying it's just going to take work. It's a new coach coming in, new players, uh, and it's just gonna, they all got to get on the same page. Get on the same page, and it's a completely different defense. That leads me perfectly into my next point. If you're an Ole Miss fan and you're looking for a seamless adjustment, a seamless transition to where Ole Miss – just turns the tide immediately in year one, the personnel is an awkward fit 
at least in year one, for what Mike, Mike McIntyre wants to do. Benito Jones is a nose tackle, for example, in a 3-4. He doesn't have the body type for that. He's more of a 4-3 down defensive tackle. Same thing with the defensive ends. I don't know the personnel necessarily that you had. Now, Ryder Anderson does really work as a stand-up outside linebacker with four linebackers in a 3-4, but Mohamed Sanogo all of a sudden becomes a question mark, not because he didn't have a good year last year. He did, or not because he's not capable. He is. is but the position. In 3-4, he is not a big, bulky, Brady James-type filler linebacker. He's built for a 4-2-5. That's the interesting part of this. Cornerbacks are cornerbacks, no matter what – the scheme is that you don't have to worry about Jalen Jones. Well, obviously with the injury, you have to worry about him in that respect. But as far as the position that he plays, you don't have to worry about that. Same thing with um, a miles Hartsfield. You don't have to worry about him or um, a, a key drawn Smith. I think the secondary there's of little concern. It's how the personnel works in the front seven, specifically Muhammad Sanogo and Benito Jones. So two interesting storylines in the spring will be, where do those guys fit in? I don't think there's an obvious fit for Mohamed Sanogo as far as what this scheme is. Maybe he's an outside stand-up linebacker. He's not the stand-up defensive end, but he's more of an outside linebacker in the traditional three linebacker set that they will be running with the stand-up defensive end. Maybe it's Ryder Anderson. Derek Hall would have fit perfectly in this, but he's at Auburn now. Um, but look, Jacquez Jones, I think, is a really good fit for the 3-4 in the middle. Uh, he could make a jump, I think, in the spring. But if you're judging results in year one, you're setting yourself up for failure because the personnel they have currently on campus compared to what they'll be running under Mike McIntyre, it isn't an obvious fit. There's going to be some conflict there. Now, I say this. Now, I, I, now, what they can do, you know, you can take a guy that may be undersized for that actual position at outside linebacker and just to show certain things, you actually in the – Formation-wise, you're in the three-four defense, but that outside linebacker is actually on the line, you know. So it is, a, a, and in turn, it's a a four a four-three, but it's a three-four. He's just showing himself a little bit, just to give a different picture. I don't know if maybe they're gonna have a lot of different nuances like that in the defense, but maybe it's something they should do, you know, just to they putting someone to actually have a title of the actual position of being the outside linebacker, but his play is different. You know, to actually get him on the field, just to play or to be, he, he's the best, he's one of the best 11. So he has to be on the field, no matter the position or what it, be, or what it may be. Maybe that has a lot to do with it or what they're going to do. Or maybe we blitz a lot. Maybe we always have somebody coming and, and in turn turning. Because if somebody at the quarterback, somebody has to fill that void. Somebody has to take up an area. Somebody has to take uh, the, the third or the hash or, or the flats or back out the backfield, whatever it may be. So somebody has to take, uh, be accounted for that or spying on, on the quarterback that we have a league of quarterbacks that's everybody's Michael Vick now. Everybody can run. So it, it may be the little small things like that. But when it comes to offense, I have no question of offense. You know, you see Rich Rod, he just needs talent, and he's going to just – I'm interested to see how that turned out. My, my, my worry here is defense to see how actually – you're starting to fresh, man. You're starting to fresh – Okay, think of this: starting afresh with Ed with Ed Ogeron and then installing the Tampa two defense. That was kind of trash. It was not. I ain't gonna say trash. It took a lot for actually for us to actually comprehend. And by that time, Coach it was o a was terrible idea with the personnel y'all had, though. It was out of there. By the time we actually understood what was going right, plug and play, putting people where they wasn't supposed to be. By the time that person understood who wasn't supposed to be in that position, it was two years. It was over with. You know, so and the last time I could recall that we ran a three four a lot, it was it was Robert Kim DG at nose 
It was it was Rob Kendiji. It was um, uh, the guy from Florida. I forget his name. He he was the defensive end. We had a good defensive line, and we had linebackers, so we could do that, you know. But but then as the years went on, we didn't have that. So so it, it was different because of the personnel. I'm just curious to see, you know, what he think he's actually going to plug and play and put install into that three four or we uh, um, it could be a real heavy JUCO signee come this February signing day. So people will come in and can play who's familiar and used to that 3-4 defense. Like you say, you understand what you need and can go get them and put them now. Maybe that's what he's hoping on. Located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, Suite D103 in Oxford, Jackson Beer Company provides Oxford with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge in the northern Mississippi market. Open seven days a week. Stop by and see Alan Jackson and the gang Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 8 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. until 9 p.m., and on Sundays from noon until 5. At Jackson Beer Company, we help you handcraft your next event. Whether it's a wedding, Greek event, office party, fundraiser, or other special special event, we offer discounts when you purchase in bulk. At Jackson Beer Company, it is our vision to provide Oxford and Northern Mississippi with handcrafted customer service and superior beer knowledge. We offer 10 different local and limited release beers on our growler station, so you will be able to enjoy draft beer at your home or at your next event. That's Jackson Beer Company, located at 1801 West Jackson Avenue, just off the Ole Miss campus in Oxford. Stop by and see them or give them a call today at 662-638- 3642. Jackson Beer Company is a proud supporter of Ole Miss Athletics. Y'all have the perfect personnel for a 3-4 defense. I can see Greg Hardy and you as the stand-up outside linebackers. Paray as the down-nose tackle. Marcus Tillman is one of the, one um, third of that defensive line. I don't know who the other defensive end would have maybe been, but obviously Marcus Tillman would have been the other one. Um, and then from there, the secondary fills out as as any secondary does. Again, the secondary in any scheme is relatively the same unless you add one in, in the secondary in the four two five. So I look at y'all's personnel and think, golly, man, that, that would have really worked for them and probably would have extended your career a little bit longer had you been standing up. Uh, did you ever yeah, we, did you ever feel tempted to do that? I, you and I had many a conversation about I how stood things up. used to there was be. A, there was a few packages where I, I actually stood up. It was, it was, that was like bark. It was, uh, I remember specifically it was bark. I remember when they call it. And in turn, that was a three, four scheme, three down linemen. But I was the outside man, the, the rush in. Well, in turn, it was a linebacker. Um, I had flats, hot the two back out the backfield. Or I'll, if, if ball go away, I just float for all over the top, middle of the field. Or if just make a play, really. So I, I I had been in that situation before. We had cheetah packages where it was me, Greg, um, it was me, Greg, Gerald Rivers, and and um, Marcus Tillman, and they'll just move us all around. So I think that you know it would have I would have had more on tape of me actually being stand up because actually when I got to the combine and all of that other types of stuff and and practice actually with the NFL, have you ever been up? Have you? Are you familiar with this? Have you? I'm like, I did it a few times, you know? So, yeah, it probably would have helped. It would have just, you know, extra tools in that toolbox that could have been utilized when the time came. Do you, you remember know? what happened on the play when you hurt your knee? I I, I remember I remember the, the cadence. I remember what the guy, uh, what the quarterback was saying, like, before the play, actually, the, the ball snap. I remember, like, actually talking to the tackle. Like, like I was talking some trash to him. I was like, y'all really know y'all going to lose this game. And he was talking back to him. I'm like, oh, it don't matter because you stink anyway. And the ball snapped. And when the ball snapped, I remember I had a free release. 
And I'm like, why am I free? And I was still rushing to the quarterback. And as I was rushing, I was like, something, make, something can't be right. You know, so in turn, it turned into a oh shit drill. It was like muscle memory, muscle memory, something ain't right. It has to be a screen. But at that point, I'm caught deep in it. So I see the quarterback actually, you know, just rearing back to throw the pass, like just about to launch it. And I, I, I try to, I remember jumping to try and catch it, deflect it or something. And phew, that was it. Is you ever, like, was in a situation and you kind of jumped? And when you was like on the on the way down, you were like, man, I really jumped high. I didn't realize I jumped this high. I kind of scared myself. And the whole way down, I was kind of reaching for the ground. And when I actually touched ground, I, it was an awkward landing. And I remember instantly that pop, that cold feeling, then that warm sensation. If you could go back, would you change anything about your old Miss career? I don't think I've ever asked you that question in the years um, we've done these things. I wouldn't. I don't think. I don't think I would change anything because there's, 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 I, there's, you know, I was just really playing football. You know, people ask me a lot if I would have left after that first Cotton Bowl compared to coming back. But no matter if it was NFL or whatever was to happen with me after that season, man, I just wasn't ready for a lot of things that was going on. I really wasn't finished, like just maturing. I had to finish school. I wasn't ready for real life at that moment, man. I was still like becoming myself, you know, the partying and all that other stuff. That still was a part of it. And then, and then at that point, to put some money in my hand and to say I'm an NFL or a professional football player, that probably would have been my detriment at that point in my life. So, you know, I still had some, 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 some growing and developing to do. And I had to finish like my degree. I felt personally that at that moment, that was more, more, more. That was more important than getting money or, you know, or, or, or being a professional football player. Because like I know now, look how it turned out. If I would have never finished, you know, or never got that degree or would have left, it would have been weird kind of. So I think I made the right decision. You know, as, 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 as much as I go back on it and be like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. I just know the guy I was at that point in time, man. The money, if I if I would have got money at that point, I probably – I wouldn't be talking to y'all right now. Wouldn't be on here. Who telling where I would have been, Ben? Like, really? Like, just, I can honestly say that now compared to then. I don't think I was ready for that. That 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 would have been a blessing and a curse to me to be a, a professional football player. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have my family. I know it. And I still had a lot of play in me. I still was real juvenile. But it took another year, an injury. You know, and it was almost a reset button for me to understand what was important. You know, football, it, 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 football was something I did, football, football wasn't me. Football got me to where I was. Football got me through school. It got me education. I, and I, I happened to meet my wife along the way and had kids. And, and at that point, that NFL wasn't a part of the plan at that moment because it, it, it would have been my demise, man. Really, really. When did you first know, what was the first red flag, the first thing that clicked in your brain that Greg Hardy was a crazy person? When our freshman year, when it was like one of the hottest days of the summer and he had that black beanie and he fainted, that was one. Man, that was multiple occasions. Okay, that's one. Or our first encounter when I met him, um, in Brown, we wasn't staying in Deaton and in the summer we stayed in Brown. You know how Brown is. Oh, Brown's, Brown's a dump. <laughs> yeah. The roach is big as my arm. 
roach as big as my middle finger. First day I met Greg Hardy, I thought Greg Hardy was Fabo. Like the 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 shake that laugh at Tabby Fabo Fabo. And I had met Greg, like seen him the day before, and we was getting all our sizes. I saw Greg got a size 14 cleat. But the next day I saw him, he had on like some shoes I know wasn't his size because they had so much space in the back of him. He could have put another foot inside that shoe. Like, man, what size did man Greg? I like them. Oh, they're 16s. I'm like, oh, shit, man. This man wears size 14 shoes but got 16s on today. That was incident number two. Ninja Spurs. That's incident number three. Do you want me? You want me to keep on going? I, I love listening to Greg Hardy stories. I mean, it's my favorite thing we do. He ain't. He ain't. He ain't. You see where he's at right now, right? Football player turned MMA fighter. Which is it the does. most predictable career path you could have had for Greg Hardy? I mean, I, I, if you would have said to me, "All right, Ben, here are all the potential opportunities." For a former crazy person who obviously had brain damage from playing so much football, on top of the fact that he was psychotic, where do you think he's going to end up? MMA. That would have been the first choice before football. You know what? You want me to be honest? If Greg would have played basketball, I think his life would have been completely different. I honestly. But he wasn't that good of a basketball player. He thought he was. No, you you didn't really watch him play. If you go, you yes, he was. Yes, he was. I watched him, and I played basketball too. But he can play. He can play. When all right, I think it's with anything. When Greg make his mind up to do it, he he he's dominant in it. I've seen him been dominant. I've seen him play around. I've seen him score some points and quit. That's just like football. I'm gonna get in. I'm gonna give me a sack, and I'm gonna give me a fumble. Watch, watch, I do it, and he do it, and he'd be like, I'm gonna go play basketball, and I'm gonna score. In the NCAA championship, what well, NCAA tournament, and he did it. I'm like, man, that man said that, and he ended up doing it, and ended up getting the ring. He can be dominant. I've watched it. It's just all the other stuff kind of, kind of, kind of trumps his ability and his talent. He wasn't the biggest drama queen on that team, though, was he? he his was different. It wasn't a drama queen. He just walked to the beat of his own drum. He did what he wanted to do. Was there any yeah. guy out there that con- consistently bitched about something? Or Greg was in his own world. Shay Hodge was Shay Hodge always. Shay Hodge about his number. Yeah, you told us the story about was, the number. Yeah, yeah. That besides that, man, not too many people. Everybody, everybody just wants ball. You don't really have too many babies whining. Like, no, no. We had man. Who surprised you, go, you with how good he became from where he started? Cassius Vaughn. It's uh, at first. Hey, um, Cassius. Hey. At, at corner. He doesn't love uh, me. Hey, Cassius. But you know who really um, outshined what I really thought he was going to do? Um, Marche. When he tra- yeah. when he switched from offense to defense, I didn't think – I think – I knew he was a competitor, and I knew he was an athlete. But going from receiver and then going to corner and – and 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 competing against the likes of guys like Robert Crabtree and all of those people, he kind of surpassed what I thought he was going to be. Kendrick did at safety. Ken, Kendrick did at safety. He did. Jonathan Cornell at middle linebacker. Because off the field, you'd be like, this is not our starting middle linebacker. And then you would see him and be like, okay, on the field, it was completely different. What was he like off the field? He he was he's he's a real California surfboard, van, crew sock type guy. No matter the weather, 
It's like you with your sandals, hot, cold, any weather. You got the sandals on, and Jonathan Carnell is that way. Hey, man, let's go swing a few golf clubs. I'm like, John, bro, we in Mississippi. Well, ain't nobody going to swing no golf clubs. He He's kind of, he's different. He's real, He he's he's just different, man. When you, you've been in Azusa, California all your life, and you dropped in Oxford, Mississippi, you know, it's going to be different. He's different. Uh, uh, Bird, Sendari, uh, uh, Bird, we knew Bird was good, but what Bird showed on the field trumped all that. It's like his size didn't matter. He was the one guy that didn't wrap up when tackling, but will always make that tackle. He was a sure tackler. He wouldn't wrap up, but he going to hit you. He going to hit you. Do you look back on it now and think y'all left a lot on the field, as, as in – those teams should have been a little bit better, should they? Yeah. Have, we, we they get a lot of credit, right, and justifiably so for making Cotton Bowls and turning Ole Miss football around from the disaster that was at Orgeron. But do you ever think to yourself, we were even better than our record indicated? Yeah, that first year, that first year we went to the Cotton Bowl. Um, I think we really didn't understand to uh, how to win until November, like finishing the game, because we were accustomed to certain things. You know, after we would get down or wouldn't score or we would start turning the ball over. You know, we, we were accustomed to that but just from the previous years and the f- previous coaches, you know, just accustomed to losing. You know, people would be like, oh, man, the game over. And be like, yep, I know, but we're going to the party tonight. We're going to the library. It was like that's all we kind of knew. We were kind of conditioned to that. And then you would win a game and then you would lose a game. You would win a game, then you would lose a close one. It was like, Oh, we're about to fall into that same routine. And then you get to November, then you win. Or it's the end of October and you're playing Auburn and you win. Then you uh then you play uh, uh the next game and you win. Then you win. And you're like, oh, and then the coach starts saying they remember in November. And here it go, you going into is the end of November and it's six, seven games, and you got one more, and you be like, Man, we can't and then you see the possibilities and then you start understanding it it it's it's you just get turned up just a little bit more. But then you see the game you lose, like to Wake Forest, and you see how you lost, you know, and you could have had that one. And then you look like at when we lost to Vandy. Vandy always seemed to have our number those first two years. Like we couldn't get over the hump because I remember playing under Ed Ogeron and Coach Ryan Nielsen, and every time we played Vandy, it was like, they can't beat you guys. They're a bunch of doctors. They're a bunch of doctors. They're not there for football. They're there for medicine. But, Coach, they would always beat us. That was kind of stuck in my brain. I was like, oh, we're going to go out here. We're going to beat them. They're doctors. Just like he said. We were yeah, just like in 2009 when you told me not to worry about Mississippi State. Hey, hold on. Uh, you can go back a few shows ago, and you said you were ne- you're not going to bring that up no more. After yeah, we- I lied. You did. Yeah, you gotta put some money in the cookie jar. Yeah, but I'm. It's, it's we did that game, Mississippi State game, uh, South Carolina on that Thursday night. I I feel to believe that could have been monumental for us. That one game on that stage, it was just the whole world watching us. And if not only if we could have beat them, but could have beat them just in dominant fashion, I think that would have changed a lot of other things that were, um, uh, a lot of other things that just could have propelled us through the season. You know, just some games, some mishaps we had with players here, players that that we had high hopes, high expectations. Just imagine, all right, think about if Chris Strong, if Nick Brazel, if Jesse Grandy, if all of those guys actually stayed that tenure that we was playing those years. Just That's just name a few on, on the offensive side of the ball. 
the weapons and the potential and the possibility. You just could think of games. I remember a game right now, Jesse Grandy taking the uh, punt return back. I remember a game, Nick Brassel um, taking the punt return back, going to the right side, then coming all the way back to the left. You know, and that's just that's just scratching the surface. So just imagine if they were there. Just imagine if uh, if if uh, if if Big Chris. If he if he Chris Strong could have could have dropped twenty pounds and could have stayed at linebacker and didn't have to play defensive uh, nose or defensive tackle, the possibilities. Just imagine. Was Tig Barksdale good? No one ever got to see him play. Hell yeah, Tig Barksdale or or play a series on on offense, catch a few interceptions, and then will go on. Well, well, play a a few. A few snaps on a few series on defense, and they'll catch a few picks at safety, have a tackle or a PBU, and then go to offense, and they'll give him a, a pitch at nine, and he'll run for sixty yards, and then they'll give him another play, and then he gonna lay on the sideline because he dead tired. Like he was, he could play. You saw what he did when he went to Jacksonville State and played against us. So it was just a player. If he could have worked out here, it would have been ridiculous. It's, it's a lot of those guys that you see, or, or that was there, was just at the brink. You know, just just it was it was one more light bulb had to come on, or just had to have want to, or just have one more person to be on them. But is that needed? Is that necessary? You know, but it's it's a lot of things, man. There's a lot of people I feel like we let fall astray that could have helped us, like some of those guys included. But they felt like there was other guys that could have helped us too. So I feel like not only we left a lot on the field, we let a lot of other people fall by the wayside that were brothers and were family that all came in together. That kind of just perished away. What's the biggest challenge, number one challenge, Mike McIntyre and Rich Rodriguez face come spring practice? The first thing when you're taking on new personnel, a new team, that you have to get implemented pretty early for the players to get on board. What is it like for the locker room and how they adjust to that, and what's the number one thing? And first off, it's just uh, the, the, the initial – the first initial encounter. You can understand a lot of a person and and know what you're going to get in the future. You know, it's it's just straight up, be straightforward. I, this would, me personally as a player, if you're a hard ass coach, be a hard ass coach all the time. But and if you buddy buddy and we're gonna play, talk and joke and we're gonna coach all at the same time, be that guy. But don't be the buddy buddy coach today and then be the hard ass coach tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? That's why I respect Coach O. Coach O was Coach O. Today, tomorrow, Friday, no matter. Uh, Christmas, rain, sea, snow, it didn't matter. You know, and then you got other fair weather coaches. So I say if you're going to be a hard coach, be that coach. Just just, just, just practice what you preach. Don't be a hypocrite. Be for your guys. You know, don't be – if you're the D-line coach, be for the D-line. Because I played for a coach, man. He was a D-line coach, but he was he was a puppet. He wouldn't – he would – it was always our fault. I'm like, we was only doing what you told us to do. We had to fall on the sward, a group of 15, and we was only following instruction, Coach. Coach, we didn't know this play until you told us in meetings on Monday. We didn't know this alignment and assignment until you told it to us. So practice what you preach. And just, man, be a, be a, be a, be a student of the game. I promise you. A coach, he can be as mean as he want. He can be buddy-buddy. He can be all that. But if he know the game, and I can soak up that knowledge to better myself, better my game, and to and to put it on tape, put it on field. Oh man, I man, you could lead me to hell and back. Cause I, I want to know the game. I I want to know all the nuance. I want to know what you know. But I it doesn't it come what, back to talent though. Can't it, it can, does, can, it can coaches come, have a tangible difference? Two coordinators, both of which accomplished head coaches, 
on the buyout train right now. They come in, they're coordinated for the first time in years. Your personnel is significantly diminished after AJ and DK and Demarcus Lodge and Jordan Tiamu and Dawson Knox and Greg Little all gone. Sean Rawlings, Siobhan Patterson defensively, Zedrick Woods. You lose a lot, but can good coaching compensate? Good coaching can compensate. You can get a guy that's 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 subpar C, and you can get him to play B. And the B not only the B isn't that uh, he he hasn't got he he has gotten better from a work. His talent level is the same, but now his effort, his knowledge. He know that his that the first step is a his first step. Well, he snapped first step is with the right step or with the left step. He didn't know that before, so in turn that 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 erases a mistake. So now he can get on that block, you know. So it's not only his knowledge now compared to his talent level really hasn't changed. His knowledge of the game has changed, so that gives him an edge and the effort. You really you have effort or you don't, you know. And coaching is coaching. Every coach may have the different verbiage that may be the same thing. A tit is a tit. A spill is a spill. A gap is an A gap. A two eye, a zero nose, a five, a loose nine, a six, a seven. What all it may be, that's the same thing. Certain coaches may coach it different. Oh, I want you at a loose nine. Getting a tilt a little bit. Getting a little bit out shade. I want your out, I want your inside hand on this outside foot. Certain coaches have certain nuances. Just just but coaching is coaching. You coach D line, uh uh. Uh, 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 a double team is a double team. A reach is a reach. Uh, 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 a pass block is a pass block. A screen, that's all the same. So coaching is coaching, but at the same, you can coach a player, but if you don't believe in what you're saying, if you don't believe in you as a man, as a person, as a coach, they're falling on deaf ears anyway. Coach Ryan Nielsen fell, fell on deaf, deaf ears. Ryan Nielsen, it was just, it was, you know, you, you, you ever watch TV and you saw somebody speaking Shaq, you see what Shaq's saying. You don't hear what he's saying. You just see the bouncy ball moving. It's like Charlie Brown teacher. I didn't get. I didn't receive nothing until I heard it from Ed Ogeron. Because I'm, I'm like, you're talking in circles. Now I didn't get it. But if you understand the game, you got him. You can't. It's it's. You can be a talented coach, but if the, you and that player not on one accord and you're not reaching that guy, your talent is null and void. It don't even matter. He's not gonna receive it. You're not coaching that guy now. You're not doing nothing to him. Last question because we got to get out of here. Real quickly, one player on defense has to be good for Ole Miss to make strides defensively. Has to improve, has to step up, has to take ownership. Who's that guy? Man, look, I don't know who, who that guy is, but it's, no, it, it's, it's the middle linebacker. Whoever going to fall in that position, whoever going to fall in that position, if it's somebody there now, somebody that they're going to sign here, signing day, but the middle middle linebacker is 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 good as any quarterback. That's your quarterback on the defense. It starts within the middle. If he can't line him up, or he can't make the right strong call, you're then already lost. Now that that defeat the purpose of personnel or having to know somebody to actually to 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 determine the line of scrimmage. If you can't line up right, so I think you need to start right there in the very middle. Whoever that middle linebacker is, show yourself. The cream always rise to the top. Somebody name gonna be just pinging come spring. I don't know who that guy is. I can't put no name on it, man. Cause who from last year that we that name ring the bell that we can put there? I don't really see nobody. So somebody got to show themselves. He's Kentrell Lockett, former Ole Miss defensive end. Now just a friend of mine living in Olive Branch and hanging out and working hard. Maybe he's gonna be a coach soon. I don't know. 
he's working on a lot of things. But we miss you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. And before we get out of here, I promise I won't mention 2009 anymore. I said I wouldn't. I won't. It's hard, though. It's like muscle memory. You mentioned muscle memory so many times. It's muscle memory. Can't help myself. Yeah, I kind of knew you. I kind of knew you was gonna say it. It was gonna come up again. Yeah, I knew yeah. it. I knew it. It's all right though. It's all right because I, I, I just like I said, you know, men word is bond. I did say that. <laughs> I did say it. I told you too back way back then. If this happens, I'm never gonna let you live it down. And you said, "Oh, okay," and I haven't yeah. let you live it down. It's been nine years now. Oh, ten years. We're going on ten years now. We're going on a decade. Ten years. Going on a decade now. He's Ken Charlocka. Thanks, buddy. I uh, appreciate it, man. R.I.P. Phyllis. That was the 40-yard dash with former Ole Miss defensive end Kentrell Lockett. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. David Johnson will be back next week. Ole Miss basketball playing really well. Road trip to Mississippi State on Saturday at 12 p.m. Central Time. Expect that to be a really competitive game, but Ole Miss is playing with house money. Win or lose, doesn't matter, quite frankly, as far as their resume is concerned. It's going to be fascinating to watch if they continue this run, make the NCAA tournament, what they do in the spring signing period. Jamin Brakefield is a five-star 2020 prospect, but there's a chance he could reclassify in two months and become a 2019 prospect. Ole Miss is in on that deep. What a huge addition that would be. Kadeem Sai, another one. Ole Miss believes, per sources, that Kadeem Sai would step in right now in January and average double-digit points. The perfect fit as the Kermit Davis Five. The spring could be really fun for Ole Miss basketball, and fans really deserved this. They needed this. They needed a shot in the arm, something to get behind. There's a long way to go, but Ole Miss fan, maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. just feels like a return to normalcy that I've been begging for for years now. A little bit. Basketball's providing that, and football could, should Matt Luke, with these hires, build on the momentum. We'll see. This has been Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.